welcome back to mentally a badass and here we are season three if you are a returning listener thanks for staying around if you're new hi i'm justine we're gonna be talking about mental health here and i interview a bunch of badasses so in today's first episode we are going to be chatting with elena who is a social worker i feel this episode is very very important due to current events of women losing their rights so she's going to talk about the reality of what currently goes on in our foster care system so i recommend having an open ear while listening to this and i hope you guys enjoy Hey y'all, welcome back to Mentally a Badass. My name is Justine and I have Elena with me. She is a social worker and she so gracefully came over today to talk about how it is being a social worker and she's also going to discuss on why she is a social worker. I heard her story and I think it's super dope. Um, That's how I'm going to put it. I love it. Because that's just my brand. Yeah, it is dope. So welcome to my show. And thanks for driving 45 minutes to come see me. Of course. Okay, so let's dive into your story whenever you're ready, girl. All right. So I got interested in working in foster kids. It started as a young kid myself. So I was never a foster kid or anything like that. But um, I did grow up as an only child. And unlike most people who have siblings and everything, I would have loved to have siblings, at least a brother or sister. When I was in kindergarten, I wrote this really long thing, surprisingly, about how I wish I had a brother or sister. Um, And one day, my mom told me why she was not able to have another child after me and it was like a a big reason was because that I have type 1 diabetes. I've had it since I was one and you know diabetes is expensive and also um, my mom didn't want to risk another child having to deal with what I had to go through and the struggle that she had to go through um, learning about diabetes and being able to take care of me so that I could live a healthy life. So um, she actually told me when I was 10 that she was interested in adopting kids or maybe adopting a brother or sister for me. And she told me a little bit about the foster care system and, you know, what the process of adoption would be. And I was super excited, but unfortunately my dad was not interested in us adopting because... I guess foster kids have behavioral issues and stuff like that. So that never really worked out. But um, it grew as a passion for me and interest over time, like the foster care system itself and foster kids. And um, when I got into like maybe late middle school, high school, I was really interested in psychology. I took psychology classes. I went to um, college to do psychology. And throughout my journey, I've learned over time that, you know, I can make a difference in the foster care system. I can use my psychology degree and I can also um, get into social work to become a therapist for foster kids. I can help foster kids be a part of a family or have a family that they never had. I really wanted to be a part of that. 
So I went through the schooling, I did the internships, I did the volunteer work and everything, and grew my passion into a career. Um, right now, what I'm doing now is I provide therapy to foster kids to help them be able to function better in the community because the foster kids that I work with, they have a lot of severe behavioral issues and everything. Um, pretty much what my dad had said when I was a kid about them, but they have so much potential I see and I, with the skills that I teach them through my work and everything, teaching them to be a better part of the community, being able to communicate with others, I have helped foster kids be able to either reintegrate with a biological family or be able to be better, better suited for adoption. And that's pretty much in a nutshell what I do. Yeah, that's awesome. So in regards to like age, is it like all ages that you work with? Um, pretty much. So the youngest that I'm working with right now is age eight. Mm -hmm. um, the place that I work at, we take kids as young as five, I believe. And then mm -hmm. our oldest is 17. My current um, age group I'm working with right now is between the ages of eight and 14. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I do know that in regards to like behavioral, usually I think that's people more talk about like in regards to like teenagers and such. Mm -hmm. um, so you said, you could you tell me like off like mic here, which we're going to bring onto the mic, um, that you've, you have seen some like, you know, behavioral issues and challenges. Um, whenever, whatever you can bring up, that would be appreciated. Of course, I don't know what you are, can or allowed to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I would love, I would love to hear more about it. Like how it is like a day in the life of what you do. Definitely. So, um, I'm currently working at an inpatient facility. Um, I can't give extensive details. Yeah, of course. course. We don't want to put names <laughs> out there. Right. Yeah, definitely. But, um, like I'm working with kids who have gone through the worst of the worst mm -hmm. and despite them going through the worst of the worst I've seen great potential in them and they have been able to succeed mm -hmm. so um, when they first come into our facility um, they have been through a lot of them have been through a lot of uh, foster placements they've repeatedly been abused they've gone through neglect um first they were abu abused by their biological family and mm -hmm. then they have to go through it again in the foster mm -hmm. care system which is terrible it's horrible I yeah feel so bad for that yeah it's awful and like they've just had like failure after failure and you know since a lot of things that are going on in their lives have failed them like they have not been able to develop like our average child can. Yeah. You know, they, they didn't receive the love and care that um, many other families' children are able to receive. So yeah. they've gone through a lot. And then, you know, when with the lack of social skills and um, poor development and all of that, based off of all of that abuse and neglect they're getting Baker acted and like which Baker act is like they they have like a mental breakdown like either Baker they're, act yeah, yeah I do know that's like a, yeah I heard about that yeah so like they're like aggressive or they're suicidal and stuff like that and they have to be hospitalized for a few days um 
stuff like that. So that repeatedly has to happen for them. And they go to other like intensive outpatient facilities or places where they receive therapy and it just doesn't work. It's just the therapy that they're receiving that's not as intensive as what we provide where at my job. Um, it's just not enough for them. So that's how they end up where I'm working. Mm. They have severe aggression, like they they bite, they kick, they spit, all of it's, that. Yeah, and that's just like their defense mechanism. Yeah, and that's, that's all they know. Yeah, it's truly upsetting. Like just like if you go through life just constantly being abused and mistreated, you just assume like everyone is gonna do that to you. Exactly. And then once when they feel any type of threat, then like they're gonna do the biting and then people are gonna look at them and be like, Oh my gosh, you're like a bunch of animals and think so negatively about them and just not wanna deal with them which mm-hmm. is really, you know, it really sucks for sucks because it's like it's not their fault. You know, like kids are born and they're born innocent, you know, like they're not mm-hmm. born like that they're not born out there just like biting people or 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 anything like that like it's it's all happens for it all happened for a reason and it's just sad how society doesn't understand that and majority of society never understands that they just look at them like oh they're bad kids or oh they're bad influences and there's like not that many people out there that instead of looking at them and be like oh they are they're such a problem child and and like just kind of like pushed him to the side. They don't look at that kid and think, oh my God, they probably went through hell. Mm-hmm. You know? Exactly. And that's how they end up at our place. Like so many people have given up on them or not understood the root of their trauma. Mm-hmm. They learn to behave the way they do. You know, like they learned from abusive families and stuff like that. And it's really sad. So I'm happy to have them come in and be able to work with me because it's like it's it's very refreshing because Mm -hmm. I have the ability to teach them what is acceptable what Mm -hmm. is love yeah what is care and what they deserve and stuff like that and um a lot of times this anger that's being presented and stuff it's really depression there's yeah they're, that's they're part not, of it. It's like the when you're depressed, you get very like angry. That's yeah, part of it. Yeah, like depression, anxiety, all of that. Those are the primary things that are going on, and it's just showing up as anger mm-hmm. um, towards other people. So, like, just teaching them that they do deserve love, they do deserve a family mm-hmm. that cares about them. I feel like they learn through the process of being able to work with me for the few months that they have to stay there Mm -hmm. that they are able to achieve things in life. They're able to do well in school, which some of them have made great improvements in Mm -hmm. school, like just building their self-esteem and confidence and helping them understand that they do deserve love. It helps them do better in school. It helps them look forward to... Um, going into a better foster home once they leave or being a reintegrating back into their biological family if that is an option you know um so um that's pretty much it like just uh, they usually stay for six to nine months and Mm -hmm. that's that's probably not enough time, but it's 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 a good amount of time something to teach them. At least them kind of like, I feel like it's good for them to like learn the basics, 
Yeah. And then, because you can't really fully change in like six to nine months. Yeah. So I, I just feel it's kind of like in a way like a, a training and you just kind of like learn as you go. It's kind of like, you know, getting that opportunity of that stepping stool, get a base of what you, you know, like changing the way your mindset is and healing from all your trauma. And then it gives you those tools where well, you're getting those tools and then you're learning it and then you're going to be put out to, you know, incorporate those tools into real life. So, um, so just make sure I understand. So when they come to like your job, is that, so they go, so they're in the fall system and then, then they, they go into that hot, the hot, the inpatient and they go to you. It's, I'm sorry to make sure I understand the, the roadmap here. Yeah. So, um, they, so it really depends on the child's story because every child's story is yeah. different. So, some kids, they have biological parents, and they're coming from their biological parents, but um, they um, have so many behavioral issues that their parents put, they, they essentially got into the foster care system, and the goal is to reunify them back with the parents, and with those parents, I do parent coaching i teach mm-hmm. them better ways that's to awesome. parent they yeah. need they, they need that i was actually going to talk to you about that like if that's a thing because mm-hmm. you know we need to be there for the kids but also like the parents too yeah yeah because the whole family is a system and everybody needs to be working together and you know everybody deserves a loving family and home and yeah. where everybody understands each other and is able to communicate and a lot of where things fall apart is where the communication falls off the rails. So I do parent coaching with those parents where those kids are able to go back to those parents or maybe their grandparents or something like that. Um, teaching them better ways to compromise and stuff like that and being able to um, manage their child when um, the child is angry or upset or their feelings are hurt and stuff. Like, for example, um, there's this one kid I'm trying to reunify with his grandparents, and um, I'm teaching them to give him space when he's upset. Don't hover over him because that's where a lot of his aggression was lying because they were hovering over him or, like, I guess, for lack of better wording, nagging. Yeah. Um, So I'm teaching them to respect his space and, like, other options of being able to help him be a part of the family, such as having family nights or having um, family um, talks once a week and stuff like that. Yeah, like family meetings? Yeah, family meetings. And um, and then there's other kids who, like, they're completely removed from biological family. Like, I'm trying to set them up with adoptive homes. And those kids, like, their parents' rights are terminated. Like, these parents have done horrible things, mm-hmm. and they um, cannot have access to this yeah. child. Which, for... A lot of times it's better that way. Yeah. Um, so I help the child be able to trust families again. Because a lot of times kids who are that far removed from family, they they don't trust people. They don't trust families. Um, they Sometimes they want to go about it on their own. And mm-hmm. um, Or some, some kids, they want to go back to their biological family even though that's not an option. I have one kid where 
when he first came to me, he wanted to go back with biological family. And, you know, I have to break it to them and help them understand because no one in the system had really explained to them that, you know, that's not an option because these people were not safe for you. Mm -hmm. They didn't treat you right. And you deserve safety and love and stuff like that. And these people, they were not able to provide that for you. Mm -hmm. Um, Let's work towards finding a family that can provide you a healthy, safe environment. And that kid has made great changes since I've been working with him. He's actually more motivated to go into a new foster home and potentially get adopted. He's not looking at back at the past. Which anymore. is good. Yeah, because yeah. usually kids just naturally, if that's like your mother and father, you automatically want to go back to them despite of like what they've done to you. But mm-hmm. they don't understand that what they are doing to you that's not normal exactly like if a if a parent is like hitting you and this this, and that you just and you don't know better you just think that's life like that's how life is supposed to be Mm -hmm. but then you gotta like they have to understand that like that's not how it's supposed to be it's gonna obviously it's gonna cause more issues down the road and it's actually just truly sad that's why i just i hate when people you know get pregnant and bring kids into the world when they're just clearly not ready for it Mm-hmm. you know what I mean like if you have your own like issues and such like that like you need to work on yourself first before you bring another human being into this world but that's another conversation that my my feelings about that <laughs> about the people who don't believe in condoms anyway <laughs> that's some that's another story but that's like a whole another podcast that's like a, <laughs> um yeah so I was also gonna ask I had like all these questions in my head and I'm just trying to like remember what I was gonna ask you yeah. um so what are your if you what are your thoughts like how the foster care system is set up at least in the state that we live in Uh, that i won't put on here (laughs) there's (laughs) for some kids it's working out great for Mm -hmm. them and then others it's just i don't understand yeah because like like the one child I was just telling you about who I got him more focused on going towards an adoptive family his parents rights were terminated for the right reasons Mm -hmm. and you know that's good that's healthy for it's healthy to break that relationship if that's if it's not if it's toxic you know yeah of course um but there's some kids with um parents who are clearly dangerous who do not do the right things and stuff like that, they're not receptive to parent coaching or stuff, or they're not getting the help that they need Mm -hmm. for themselves to better take care of their children, like such as their own mental health help and taking their medications and stuff like that. And their rights are not terminated, you know? Like, they still have access to these kids, and they these kids, they go back to things like that Mm -hmm. if they were misbehaved or... But, um, but yeah, I mean, the majority of the show is, like, when, um, her name is Callie, is the main character, was, so, okay, so basically what it was is that her foster care parent was, like, abusing her little brother. So, they were both in the same house, and so, in reaction, she, like, slammed, like, had a bat and, like, slammed his car so he can stop, and that's just how you react to protect your, your, your brother. Mm-hmm. But, of course, like the authorities and look at it like that they look at her as like oh she's just like this foster foster child who clearly has issues who clearly like has behavioral issues mm-hmm. and what they did they put her in juvie oh they put her in juvie and then um and then she got beat up in juvie so then this other person who is like a foster care parent 
which is like one of the main characters, took her in. And they were going to keep her for like a couple of days just to get her out of that situation because she got beat up in juvie. And then she automatically was like having like kind of being rude to them and this, this and that because she's been through like, I think, seven foster like foster homes like so many of them and she's been like abused she's been like she talks more down the road that she was raped by a brother and like it was this whole thing and she's just constantly being mistreated so automatically she was already like giving them attitude and being that you know and then she like went to like her brother was still in that other like house with that foster dad so she like ran away and tried to find him and then of course like they found her whatever they got like united and so Basically, those two foster care parents took them in who has, like, basically all their kids are all foster kids besides one. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, that's, like, literally, I think it's just funny how, like, they named the, they named the show. And yeah. their last name in the show is Foster. <laughs> I just don't understand that, like, who thought it. Like, it's kind of corny, but yeah. okay. Um, so, yeah, so pretty much. And then it just kind of shows the development and how she went from... Being that foster kid that was seen as, like, a, you know, having behavioral issues and causing problems and showing how, you know, when, when she's provided, like, the right love and a good family that wouldn't abuse her and gave her everything that she deserves. Like, she is now a functioning, amazing human being in society. She's actually a really smart girl. And now, like, there's a spinoff called, um, it's called Good Trouble. And she's a lawyer in it. so it shows how like she went she started there and then it developed into her being like a a, a lawyer and she you know she stuck she studied going into that because she wanted to make a better system because the system has failed her so many times and as she's seen it fail so many other kids like there was like a kid that like committed suicide no no he didn't commit suicide i think the foster parent killed him Something like that. It was crazy. It was it was insane. It was so it was such a sad episode. Yeah. But basically, she's the kind of person where she like fights for the rights and even like in her foster mom, one of the moms, um, is a cop. So that also they added her being a cop in there, and mm-hmm. then so um and then also the other mother um was a school principal, no, school vice principal. So like it was good, pretty, pretty good occupations that they both had um to put in the storyline but yeah it was it's a really good show and like the spinoff is still going on the fosters is obviously not anymore because it's a spinoff um and it's pretty much like after the spinoff like they she moves to la with her foster sister and the foster just like does like engineering and then she does lawyers and yeah that's the whole other thing but it just pretty much just shows how like you can be just as functioning a person in society than someone who wasn't going to the foster care system and it's like if you're put, if you are given the right resources and put with a, a loving family, like there's hope for you. And, um, and she was, I think like 15 when she found, or maybe no 16, 16 when she found that family. So she was like, in you know, peak, like, like high school. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I've been, I watch like, um, like movies and this and that. It just, it does definitely intrigue me. It truly does. And I just like, Honestly, I'm not, I, like, I mean, I told you, I've never been a foster kid. I've never had that kind of experience. But it just, like, but also I'm a huge mental health advocate. And, like, a lot of the foster care kids do struggle with their mental health because they're being abused and they're being mistreated. And, like, I can't even imagine, like, going through, like, being mistreated like that and not having that, that sense of home because 
every person, every human being wants to feel that secure. Like that's just a common human being like desire is to have security and to, to feel love. Even if people say like, fuck love, they, you know, they don't mean that. They're saying that as like a defense mechanism because they've been screwed over. So it was just fuck yeah. love. They just mean like, I'm sad. <laughs> that was the best way of explaining it. But well, like, one thing I want to say, like you mentioned how um, some, like the kid, like one of the kids and the fosters got sent to JDC and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so that happens to a lot of the kids that um, come into our program too. Like a lot of them have been in JDC and stuff like that. And it's a shame because, y- you know, you're pretty much sending the message that, you know, I'm a foster kid, I'm bad, and, you know, like, I'm going to jail for, and there's nothing, there's no, nothing comes out of it, because they don't really get... There's probably no point of it. It's like, you don't The root of the trauma isn't fixed, or anything like that. It's just like a band-aid. I can go on and on about our justice system, too. Yeah. It's it's just awful. Our justice system is, I just (laughs) feel like if the justice system kind of switched away, as in, when someone does something bad, instead of, like, punishing them... Like, try to give them resources to find out what, like, why they're doing what they're doing. You know? Like, they're not just doing things for shits and giggles, obviously. I mean, obviously, if you're out there killing people, that's a different story. Like, you do have to lock them up, obviously. But I just feel like we can focus more on trying to figure out, like, why they're doing what they're doing. I mean, honestly, if the people are killing people, I don't know if I really want them on the streets again. But that's, I don't know. But that's every case is different i'm not really too knowledgeable about that but uh, for example let's say someone goes to jail for smoking weed like you know that stuff happens like mm-hmm. smoking weed or like dealing weed or things like that like people would go to jail for and be locked up for i don't i don't know i don't really agree with that i feel like that's just kind of a little intense and i just don't feel like it helps the situation yeah and i just feel like um like i'm trying to think of another thing um Domestic violence, let's say that. Um, obviously, we. I, I feel like obviously they need to be locked up, but not in a way of like being punished. Like they need resources they need and the f- insight a, yeah. into what they do. Exactly. Like I feel like they need, because so, sometimes when people do these things, they you never know. They may not even know what's really right and wrong. Even though I know like to us it's common sense yeah. that obviously you, don't, you shouldn't be people. But a lot of people who do domestic, you know, domestic violence are usually people who are, like, really messed up. Like, who really need that help. Yeah, like, they learned that as a child. So, like, maybe they came from a family who had, like, the father or mother, whoever, um, abusive partner and everything. They see that growing up. They think that's okay. They think that that is affection and love. So, they repeat it for their own family. Yeah. And it's like an intergenerational cycle of abuse. Yeah, and that's just, and that's how it is, like, exactly what you're saying, so, they're going to jail, like, I mean, I don't know how it works, or how long they go to jail for, or whatever, but, I mean, like, let's say they go to jail for, like, I don't know, 15, bear with me, I don't know, kids usually go to jail for, like, 21 days or less. For kids? Yeah. Well, if they were to do what, like, hit somebody? Hit somebody, like, any charge that they would get, it's usually 21 days. 
Yeah, and then it's like, what happens during those 21 days? It just sends, like, what do they do? Like, just sit in a cell and clean stuff? Like, I don't eat nasty food. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they just hang out there pretty much. Like, they're, I, that's like, so stupid. I, I don't, nothing I don't, for them. I don't work for JDC, but, like, I'm thinking, like, that's, I don't think they're getting the full, like, it doesn't do spray anything. of services that they need in those 21 days. Yeah, you know? and... It's like also like in just in school when people get detention, for example. Yeah. Um, I actually saw something a while back where there was a school instead of putting kids in detention, they were like forced to take meditation classes. Oh. Okay. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just think that because a lot of kids who act up, there's just, just they're something's going on at home or they're stressed yeah. out or they have anxiety or whatever. Like yeah. there's a lot going on. So being meditating is super healthy for you for your mental health and then meditate yeah. meditation helps you like figure out what is really going through your mind mm-hmm. so like being mindful of what is like actually making you act a certain way and mm-hmm. learning that versus just like you're bad you're gonna sit there and look at a wall yeah yeah it's basically mindfulness training essentially yeah. like helping you focus on the present and you know, seeing things for how they are in the moment and everything and trying to figure things out that way. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know, I think, I don't know what book I was reading. Uh, maybe it was this book I was reading about, like, mindfulness. And it was pretty much saying that, like, literally, like, probably 90% of our society are not mindful. Yeah. Because they don't, they, honestly, I'm an extremely mindful person. And just because I've learned that, I, I don't know when I started learning that, but it's just being given those resources. Like, I've been reading books and just having access to people who do that and when you find those people and like for me like my life in new jersey i don't know i'm from new jersey yeah okay yes i grew up in new jersey and that world is so different than the world here yeah so i just felt like i was a completely different human being over there and i feel like mindfulness wasn't really that big over there we're kind of like new jersey is i'm gonna say i grew up rough but i I i did technically grow up in the suburbs but a lot of my friend group and stuff were more like urban and then um like i've i've been very you know lucky i grew up in middle class but i've had friends who grew up like in poverty and so um i also live right right by new york city too so i've seen things um so (laughs) yeah you'd be walking in new york city you just hear a random person scream and be like okay keep going yeah like it's just you see you see things um you know it's funny my roommate actually she told me she's like you look like somebody that someone doesn't want to mess with (laughs) and i was like do i really and then she was like yeah it looks like you've seen things (laughs) and i was laughing so hard i'm like well you're right (laughs) and then sometimes i'm like you know what's funny is that when i grew up in new jersey people looked at me at like this like little innocent girl who couldn't like you know take care of herself or whatever right Mm -hmm. but it's like it's complete opposite like honestly i'm very like i do have tough skin and you know i know we're just like getting to know each other right now but i'm the kind of person as i'm like a really sweet girl i'm very loyal i'm kind to people who are kind to me but if you mess with me i'll mess (laughs) 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 and and, no i'm serious this is kind of like i'm the nicest kindest person you'll meet but if you cross me you do not want to cross me um so that's just the kind of person i am and i actually did have a previous roommate where 
she did cross me, and I think that's what the other roommate said that. <laughs> I mean, I didn't do anything, like, beat her or anything like that, but let's just say I got my money, I got the money that she that she was supposed to give me. <laughs> well, that could be good in some ways, too. I was going to say, let's just say that she owed me money, and I got my money. <laughs> At least you got your money back without killing anybody. Yes, so. yeah. yeah. <laughs> I find my own ways, but that's so funny. I just like just draw the. Po- I guess where I didn't like touch anybody, but I got my money. That's what mattered. Yeah. It was more of just like she thought she could move out without paying like the electric and like the utilities mm-hmm. under my name. It was like that kind of situation. So mm-hmm. I just made sure that she gave it back to me. Yeah. Uh, she can't manipulate you. <laughs> oh yeah. I like that's what I told him. Like you don't. Like, you just don't. Like yeah. No. I was like, I was like, don't, when it comes to money, you, you're not going to mess with me. I'm getting my money. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I pick my battles. I'm the kind of person yeah. where it's like, you know, obviously throughout the day, things annoy us. Mm-hmm. Things kind of like, ugh, like this person annoying me or this, this and that. But I, ch- I literally choose my battles. Yeah. I choose them. And that was a battle that I chose. <laughs> and I won. <laughs> Oh, uh, this is like totally irrelevant to what we're talking about, but it's actually kind of a funny story. Yeah. I just won't go into details, but um, I, I swear I'm really not that bad. I'll tell you the story later. Well, so, um, how do you get kids out of the facility? <laughs> so, um, as they like work with me over time and everything, they learn the skills. I, I'm basically planting seeds for them because yes. you're not, they're not going to be a hundred percent when they leave. Of course. You know, they're not going to be a completely changed person, um, or child, but, um, I plant the seeds for them to um, have better communication skills, um, be able to interact with people better, um, be more motivated to work well with the family or whoever, wherever they end up going. Um, so um, towards the end of their stay there, um, I try to connect them with the best services that I can possible because I do want them to continue being successful after they leave um the facility and everything. Um, I don't want them to, you know, succeed, su- succeed where they're at. And then when they discharge, um, completely flop, you know, I want them to continue progressing over time. So I help set them up with, um, intensive services. I always recommend intensive outpatient services wherever mm-hmm. they go. So lots of therapy each week. Um, if there's a family involved, family therapy, um, medication management, all of that stuff. Um, I also try to, sometimes I help kids stay longer so that they can be, um, they can go to the best place possible. So for example, I have this one kid who's supposed to be reunited with a grandparent. He has not been with this grandparent for a while now because, um, lots of crazy circumstances in the foster care system that go on. So anyways, um, there's a process for this grandmother to be able to get him back. And, you know, um, there's um, this, I guess, like with our facility, we work with insurance companies and insurance doesn't always agree with my recommendations for best best practice for kids sometimes. Um, So there was an issue regarding insurance about him being able to stay and because he had made tremendous progress there, but I didn't want him to go to a group home, for example, when there's a plan for him to go with his grandmother, Mm -hmm. who is a stable um, 
good support for him. Mm -hmm. So I worked really hard being able to keep this kid here, continue working on himself and his anger and stuff like that while this process is going through for grandma so that he can just go on a plane home to grandmother instead of going back into the foster care system, regressing in his treatment and having to end up at a place like where I work again, you know? Yeah, it's just kind of like you're doing having great progress and you put him back and then it's like, let's do this again. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that's a common occurrence for a lot of kids who do come to our inpatient facility, but... Um, like, I like to to try the best that I can to make it practice where, where is the permanent goal? Like, yeah. what, what is the best permanent goal for them? And I try to fight and work towards that instead of, you know, having them fall into the system again. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for being on here, Elena. <laughs> thank you for having me, Justine. <laughs> we have a little like inside story about our names. Um, but yeah, I appreciate you being on here. So if you listened all the way this far, appreciate you. Um, so yeah, definitely if you are listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please give me a rating. It really helps me grow organically. And follow me on my social media. I have all of the links and all that good stuff in the description. And stay tuned for next episode.